Week Tackle Life listeners, appreciate your time this morning. It is Friday, April the 30th, the night after the first round of the NFL Draft, which we will recap here as it concerns the Browns, the Bengals, the Jacksonville Jaguars, because we have to keep our minds on what Urban Meyer is doing now that he's the head coach of the Jags, and some other things that transpired during the first round. So I appreciate your time. Thanks for listening, and I'll have a faith portion of the podcast at the end, as we always do. A reminder, you can watch the faith portion of the podcast uh, without the sports portion on my YouTube channel. Go to YouTube and search Bruce Hooley channel, and that will come up. I post that content as well on Twitter, and I'm going to get at posting it on Facebook more faithfully than I have so far. So appreciate your time today. Let's start with Justin Fields in the NFL draft. He waited a little bit longer than we all thought he might, but largely I think the Selection of Justin Fields 11th by the Chicago Bears and the fact that the Bears traded up nine spots with the New York Giants to get him shows that all the pre-draft falderall about Justin Fields dropping and all the assorted reasons given for why he's dropping. You don't drop if you go 11th in the draft. Okay, you just don't. And he went ahead of Mac Jones, so dismiss the racism narrative, a bunch of nonsense. Uh, NFL teams long ago ceased to care what color their quarterback was. The only thing they care about is can he win? Can he lead? Can he transform our franchise as quarterbacks have become more important as a face of franchises? That was always a ridiculous narrative. It was proven a ridiculous narrative last night. And now we'll see if Justin Fields can end two really long perplexing mysteries in the NFL. Why can't the Chicago Bears find a quarterback and they haven't had a reliable one long-term since Sid Luckman, who's probably played in the 40s? And why can't Ohio State, with all of its Hall of Famers, All-Americans, college football trophy winners, Heisman, Lombardi, Outland, and others, why can't the Buckeyes produce a star NFL quarterback. Maybe Justin Fields is the end of both of those mysteries. We don't know, but I will say this about Justin Fields landing with the Chicago Bears. I like what Matt Nagy and the Bears front office had to say about how you develop a quarterback and you have to surround him. And I'll say that I cannot imagine Justin Fields walking into any franchise in the NFL with two guys in his quarterback room who are more understanding and uh, less conceited about, I'm going to get mine, I'm not going to help that guy, than the Chicago Bears have surrounded him with in Andy Dalton and Nick Foles. Andy Dalton and Nick Foles are good guys. They're not great quarterbacks. They're winning quarterbacks. Nick Foles won a Super Bowl. Nick Foles, oddly enough, seems to be a better quarterback when he is not the designated starting quarterback, but he becomes the starting quarterback when the starting quarterback gets injured. That's been Nick Foles' career M.O. Nick Foles will make $9 million next year sitting, and Andy Dalton will make $10 million starting at least at the beginning of the year unless the Bears depart from their stated plan and shove Justin Fields into the lineup right away, which I think would be a mistake because I think – All quarterbacks, yes, all quarterbacks would benefit from sitting for a few games. I think it benefited Baker Mayfield to sit for a few games. Jacksonville's obviously not going to do that with Trevor Lawrence. New York's not going to do that with Zach Wilson. Uh, I 
But but I would think San Francisco is going to do that with Trey Lance, who was kind of a surprise because most people thought that would be Mac Jones or Justin Fields, but Trey Lance has, ah, oh, he has upside. Wouldn't it be wonderful to have upside? Uh, people decide you have upside because you're big and strong and you played at Division One AA or what used to be One AA. Maybe Trey Lance will be phenomenal. He would scare me giving up what the San Francisco 49ers gave up to get him <laughs> when I hear that he has footwork issues because the one thing you don't want your quarterback to have is footwork issues and accuracy issues. So I don't know if Lance has accuracy issues. The numbers would say no because his downfield success rate is very, very high. And again, he's throwing against D1AA corners. All right, so I think Justin Fields landed in a great, great, great situation at 11. It's not terrible to go to a team that was, before the trade, drafting 20th. So you're not going to a terrible team. You know, the higher you go in the draft unless that pick has been acquired by trade in a previous year or that year, you're playing for a very bad team. And Justin Fields with the Bears is not playing with a bad team. They have pieces around him. And so that's advantageous for Justin Fields. I could see him being a great NFL quarterback. Would I be shocked if he didn't figure it out and struggled? No, because it's the hardest position in any sport to play. Maybe goalie in soccer is harder, but quarterback, you have to know more and process more in the moment than you do when you're a goalie in soccer. So I think Justin Fields, um, here's the thing. This is not the faith portion of the podcast. This is just Maybe it's not inside information, but it's reality, and this is why I think Justin Fields is going to have a very good chance to click in Chicago. Andy Dalton and Nick Foles are guys who walk the walk in their Christian faith. Justin Fields, while Ohio State has been loath to allow him to uh, be made available to talk about it in his two years here, Justin Fields is a kid who prioritizes his Christian faith. So those three guys being of like mind in the most important thing in their life serves Justin Fields well. It really does. Uh, I remember when the Browns had Colt McCoy and Seneca Wallace was the backup. Mike Holmgren's great free agent signing of Seneca Wallace. Mike Holmgren had an odd love affair with backup quarterbacks. He always drafted one in Green Bay whenever he was there in case they hit the next Tom Brady, which they never did. But Seneca Wallace said flat out, why would I help that guy? I'm not going to – he's career nah, – he's coming for my job. Why would I help him? And there are a lot of guys in the NFL that have that viewpoint. Well, that's obviously not a Christian viewpoint. It's obviously a selfish viewpoint. Andy Dalton and Nick Foles will not have that viewpoint, and that will serve Justin Fields well. My guess is he'll really bond with those guys, and they'll help him become a better quarterback. But, boy, did the Bears give up a ton – to get him. They gave up. I never in an exchange of first round picks, I don't view that as a cost. You're getting a better pick. So why would I even throw in that number one this year? You say, oh, they gave up two ones for him. Well, they got a one for him, so that cancels out this year's one. They moved from 20 to 11. But they got an additional fifth rounder this year, which you can find a good player there, but it's a it's a stretch. Then next year they got the Bears, the Giants received the Bears number one and number four. That's a lot. 
That's a lot. I'd rather have a three than have a five and a four, but maybe they think they can find special teams players. And you should be able to find a guy with the fifth in the fifth round that makes your team in some capacity, but he may not be a long-term guy. You hit the, you hit the jackpot if you pick a uh, number five, a fifth rounder who becomes a starter at some point in time. Steelers used to be great at that, not so much anymore. So uh, good for Justin Fields. Great for him. Fantastic. He's landed at a place where they don't have to play him right away. He's landed at a place where uh, there'll be a lot of pressure on him because they gave up a lot to get him, but they gave up a lot to get Mitch Trubisky too, and Mitch Trubisky didn't make it. So now Justin Fields becomes what the Bears hope Mitch Trubisky could become, and Mitch Trubisky did not become that. That's why he's a Buffalo Bill right now, and Justin Fields will walk into a good situation where they don't have to play him right away and where he can learn as long as it takes and we'll see how it goes. Bears traditionally have been a really good defense. He will have to deal with the Spielman brothers in that division with the Vikings and the Lions. Uh, let's talk a little Lions here before we get to the Browns and before we get to the Bengals. Uh, the Lions, Mr. Spielman looking dapper last night in the Lions draft room. They got Penay Sewell, the offensive lineman from Oregon, and I saw one pundit believes Penay Sewell's the only surefire Hall of Famer in this draft. Hope so. That'd be great. I'd love to see uh, Spiels benefit from having a great left tackle. Jared Goff would be happy to benefit from a great left tackle. Uh, it was fun to watch Panay Sewell re, uh, uh, react to his selection last night. He went two picks later than I thought he might go because the Bengals picked five and Panay Sewell and Jamar Chase were the two guys that everybody thought the Bengals would go after. Now, people forget the Bengals signed Riley Reef, a free agent offensive tackle, to a one-year deal. So the Bengals do have Jonah Williams and Riley Reef at tackles. But you know, with a, if Panay Sewell's another Anthony Munoz, then you or Jonathan Ogden, you know, then you've whiffed because uh, unless Jamar Chase proves another Larry Fitzgerald. Before we get into assessing the Bengals draft, let me remind you that. Hemisphere Coffee Roasters is the longest-running sponsor of the podcast. They are phenomenal in terms of their mission work around the world. They just do business with people around the world. They call it BAM, Business and Ministry, B-A-M. Buy coffee from growers. Every bean is hand-picked. The growers plug that money into the local economy. The economy flourishes. People benefit. Capitalism at work. Christianity at work. Great concept. Hemisphere Coffee Roasters. Use the promo code we Tackle Life. Get 15% off your order at HemisphereCoffeeRoasters.com. Don't forget the Cocal Chocolate, which is non-GMO, sugar-free, really good chocolate. Tastes like dark chocolate, but without any of the uh, no-nos when you uh, worry about your dietary things. And also, they have tea, but they're flavored coffees. They're, uh, they're amazing. Uh, they also have the coffee for the purists like Spiels with the Hunter's Blend, House Blend, and many others. Go to their website. Check it out, HemisphereCoffeeRoasters.com. Use that promo code, Bruce. I'm sorry. Use that promo code, We Tackle Life to get 15% off. I get my promo codes confused with my friends at CBD Health Collection. So uh, we'll give you that uh, information a little bit later on in the podcast. All right, to the Bengals. Don't like it. <laughs> I know Jamar Chase, transcendent, separation, blah, 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 blah. Joe Burrow, you know, guy with him in LSU, won the national title. 
I get all of it. I understand all of it. I don't think the I don't think the delineation between Jamar Chase, Jalen Waddle, and Devontae Smith was such that the Cincinnati Bengals had to have Jamar Chase at five. Now, I'm not a scout. I'm not Zach Taylor. He extolled the virtues of Jamar Chase. Of course he did. They picked him fifth. And I get it. But I said, trade back. Somebody wants that number five. Maybe you could have gotten a haul. Maybe the Bears would have given you a haul to pick, grab, jump up there and get Justin Fields. I don't know. But that's uh, not something I would have done. I don't think the Bengals maximized their asset. Now Jamar Chase can make me look stupid. And if so, I'll be free to admit it. But I don't think that just because Jamar Chase and Joe Burrow had success at LSU means they're going to have the same success in the NFL. The defensive lines they're playing against, the linebackers, the cornerbacks, the coordinators, a little bit different than they faced at LSU, where they made everybody look silly. I get it. I favored Devontae Smith uh, because my eyes work, and I watched him, and I love the fact that he played last year. And my and I and I love Jalen Waddle that he played last year and that he was so tough and didn't care about his future like he cared about his teammates that he went out there in the national title game and played on an uh, played on a, an ankle that was probably what eighty percent seventy percent. I like those guys. I don't like guys who sit out. I know Panay Sewell sat out. I didn't care for that either. I do not like guys who prioritize self over team. And Jamar Chase makes me nervous. And I really didn't like what Jamar Chase had to say after he got drafted last night. I know you want confident guys. And this is just potato, patata, tomato, tomato, personal taste. Wide receiver is not a position actually uh, uh, very often awash in humility. Perhaps that confidence is necessary to be great. I'm just saying it's just my personal taste. I don't care for that kind of bravado where Jamar Chase says, I'm going to break every record they have in that franchise. Bengals have had some pretty good wideouts, my friend. Chris Collinsworth, Isaac Curtis, Chad Johnson, (laughs) A.J. Green, oh, by the way, first ballot Hall of Famer should be. So, Jamar, I'd much rather hear a kid say, Man, what an honor it is to come to the Cincinnati Bengals with their wide receiving tradition. I'm going to work my tail off to live up to the legacy of Isaac Curtis and Chris Collinsworth and Chad Johnson and A.J. Green. What an honor it is to put on that Bengal uniform rather than, oh, what an honor it is for the Bengals for for them to be able to give me their uniform. Thank you, Jamar Chase. You're you're wonderful. Um, Okay, so that's how I feel about Jamar Chase, and that's how I feel they should have traded back. Maybe they couldn't, but you got the whole draft to go through all these scenarios with teams. If X is on the board, if Mac Jones is on the board, if Justin Fields is on the board, if Trey Lance is on the board, if Zach Wilson's on the board, who are we calling? And who's calling us? Let's get it ready. And then as the draft unfolds, you're like, okay, cross this off, cross this off, cross this off. Hey, Fields is there. Who wants Fields? Let's go, let's go get a deal. Let's let's these are the five teams that are where we think we can still get Waddle, Devontae Smith or Jamar Chase, or where we can still get the tackle from Northwestern, or where we can still get Panay Sewell. So, I mean, just Bengals, you know, I hope it works out for you because um, I like to see Ohio teams do well, but that was not not, not, not a great, great uh, show of being fluid in the moment. All right. 
Uh, if your joints aren't fluid, <laughs> how about that transition, my friend Doug? CBD Health Collection can make it happen for you. They will mitigate your pain. Take it away for hours at a time. They do for me. Freeze gel, warming salve, gummies, tinctures, caplets. CBD is the healing agent. They have a lot of ways to deliver it to your pain, and it will mitigate. Take away. Knock the edge off your pain for three to five hours, and it's great. Living pain-free is wonderful. Take it from me. As you get older, it ain't fun. So CBD Health Collection, Granville, Ohio, retail store, awesome website. All the information you need, want to learn about CBD products. And you can save 15% off when you mention my name or use my promo code Bruce at CBDHealthCollection.com. All right, so now we move to the... Cleveland Browns, and they got cornerback Greg Newsom at number 26, and he played at Northwestern, so we've seen him. He had an interception of Justin Fields in the Big Ten championship game. Greg Newsom's a really good player, and the Browns say Greedy Williams is going to be fine, but they don't know. I mean, you can't know. A nerve issue is a little bit of an unknown. So, they have Denzel Ward. They have Greedy Williams. They bolstered the secondary in free agency, and now they've added Greg Newsom. He's a really good player. He was a highly ranked player. He stuck with Northwestern. I would think he's smart. Um, great. The only thing I don't like about him is I don't like a corner who's played three years and been hurt every year. It's a physical position. I get it. Denzel Ward. I didn't want the Browns to draft Denzel Ward because I just thought he was hurt too often. And with the Browns, he's been hurt often. So hopefully Greg uh, Newsom plays and he's not injured and he's a great pick for the Browns and that'll be wonderful. Okay, good deal. Greg Newsom also does not suffer from confidence. He said not only should he have been the top corner taken, he said he should have been the first player in the draft taken. Okay, Greg Newsom, whatever, dude, but that just makes you sound foolish because no corner to my knowledge has ever been taken with the first pick in the NFL draft and not in this era that ain't happening brother so just uber confident some people love it I'm not a fan I'm not a fan of the uber confidence walking into the man's world of the National Football League, I don't think advertising that kind of confidence outwardly helps you at all. Inwardly, you need it. That's fine. But just keep that fire burning and don't let anyone see it would be my advice to every single player drafted and would certainly be my advice to... uh, my kids, if they were in that kind of a situation. Um, you don't know what you don't know until you're, until you're forced to learn it, I guess. The words of the, of, the, of the wayward Maurice Claret ring loudly in my mind. It's a humbling thing being humble. Yes, it's also a more humbling thing being humbled. And a lot of NFL players get it. And Greg Newsom will get it. And Jamar Chase will get it. 
Everybody going into the league as a rookie will get it at some point in time. There's a reason why they always ask guys, what was your welcome to the NFL moment? Because everybody, everybody gets one. Okay, I mentioned I thought it was crazy for the Cowboys to hand Devontae Smith to the Eagles on a silver platter. What about Urban Meyer's draft? Trevor Lawrence at one was a no-brainer. And then they picked Travis Etienne, Clemson running back, late in the first round. A lot of people thought, oh, they're doing that to make Trevor Lawrence comfortable. Give Trevor Lawrence a guy. They're not doing it for that. They're doing it because they like Travis Etienne. It's a bonus that he and uh, Trevor Lawrence played together at Clemson, just like it's a bonus that Tua and Jalen Waddell, who went to the Dolphins, played together at Alabama, and just like it's a bonus that Jalen Hurts and Devontae Smith played together at Alabama, and now they're reunited in Philadelphia. But teams don't pick, oh, and Jamar Chase and Joe Burrow, but teams don't pick guys first and foremost because, ooh, they were college teammates. They, they are teammates now on whatever team they're on. And so it's incumbent upon them to get along and play together and draw the max from each other. So silly, silly thing that people would think that Urban took Travis Etienne because, oh, he'll make Trevor Lawrence comfortable. They took Trevor Lawrence number one. He's the face of the franchise. They're going to pay him a bazillion dollars, and they're going to build everything around him. If that doesn't make him comfortable, Travis Etienne ain't going to add any more comfort to it. So people don't think before they say uh, some really stupid things. Sometimes. Uh, what about Bengals today? They're picking number five in the second round. They're probably going for an offensive lineman. Uh, Tevin Jenkins from Oklahoma State is a guy a lot of people like, and Jalen Mayfield from Michigan is a guy a lot of people like. Uh, I wouldn't be shocked if in the third or the fourth round, if he's there, and he'll probably be there in the third, maybe not in the fourth. Well, it's early in the fourth. Jackson Carmen, big left tackle from Clemson. Cincinnati kid. Um... I don't know why he's rated that low, because I watched him play against Chase Young, and Chase Young didn't have any sacks. So Jackson Carmen to me, is better than a fourth-round pick. But again, I'm not a scout, so he's probably stiff in the hips, or he's probably not a knee-bender or some other uh, silly phrase they come up with. All I know is when a guy can play, a guy can play, and that guy sure looked to me like he could play. Who else is still on the board that if – uh, someone got them, you'd go, whoa, they got a great pick. My favorite guy, the guy that I'll be watching to see when he comes off the board because I'll be stunned if he doesn't make an impact on special teams or as a big play wide receiver, Rondale Moore from Purdue. Yes, I know, another opt-out guy. Well, he opted out, then he opted in, then I think he opted out. <laughs> I don't know. He was in and out, and he was Mr. In- Mr. Inside, Mr. Outside in terms of opting. But Rondale Moore, that little dude, whew, he can play. And Christian Barmore, interior defensive lineman, Alabama. I mean, Justin Fields still sees him in his nightmares. Christian Barmore, whoo, big-time player. So where do those guys go? Those are the two that I'm watching. And, of course, I'm curious about Wyatt Davis. Could the Bengals pick Wyatt Davis? Yeah, they could. Uh, but I think they need more of a tackle type. But Wyatt Davis... Number five in the second round, mm, that's a stretch for a guard. I hated whoever took a guard last night early. That was dumb. Don't take guards and centers that early. Uh, the uh, Landon Dickerson kid from Alabama, good player. Center, if you need a center, he's a good guy to come off the board today. Uh, but uh, Rondell Moore is a guy that I would keep my eye on. If you need someone to keep their eye on your legal rights, Willis Spangler Starling, they can do it. They will do it. They do it for me. 
Let them do it for you. Great integrity, great character, wide-ranging expertise. So they're on Truman Boulevard in Hilliard. I would advise you to get to know them by going to their website, willisattorneys.com, willisattorneys.com. And after you do that, I think you'll reach the comfort level that I have with them, and you'll be happy that I gave you the heads up, willisattorneys.com. And if you do go to them, tell them you heard about it on the We Tackle Life podcast. All right, so we've hit just about everything here uh, draft-related, I think. Uh, We've done the Browns. We've done the Bengals. We've done Mr. Spiels getting uh, Panay Sewell. The Dallas trade, which I thought was kind of silly. Jacksonville, Urban sold his house, got his quarterback. (laughs) CC Urban sold his house at Mirfield, $1.75 million. He bought it for $1.45 million. So he made $300,000 in uh, nine years. That seems like a pretty good return on investment to me. Oddity, the person who bought it also had purchased Luke Fickle's old house when Luke Fickle left for Cincinnati. Some people collect Hummel figurines. Some people collect the houses of former Ohio State head coaches. So, I don't know. We'll have to check and see if the guy ever owned Jim Tressel's house on McCoy Road. Um, If so, then I know he's got the coin to have a very expensive collectible habit. All right, before we get into the faith portion of the podcast, a reminder that auiinfo.com, I moved the banner on the podcast so you can see AUI. It'll remind you to go with them. I found out some really interesting stuff from Chrissy the other day talking to her at AUI, and that is that apparently there are these Chamber of Commerce health plans that a lot of businesses want to know. They're a small business. You'd like the buying power of a big business, so a lot of businesses in a community will band together under their Chamber of Commerce and they'll be part of the Chamber of Commerce health plan. What I did not know, and I wouldn't have known it unless Chrissy told me, and what this is what it concerns you if you own a business, two people, 50 people, doesn't matter, is that you only have to belong to any Chamber of Commerce in the state of Ohio to have access to any Chamber of Commerce health plan. So a lot of people think, well, I'm in Columbus, so I have to belong to the Columbus Chamber of Commerce to get the Columbus Chamber of Commerce plan. No, you don't. You just have to belong to a Chamber of Commerce in the state of Ohio to get any plan. Maybe the Chamber plan in Columbus is not the best plan. Maybe some other plan in Ohio. Maybe the Cleveland plan is the best plan. You don't have to join Cleveland. Let's say it's 1500 bucks to belong to Cleveland, and it's 200 bucks to belong to Columbus. Well, don't throw 1300 bucks out the window. Belong to Columbus and take the Chamber plan out of Cleveland. AUI can do all that navigation for you. AUIinfo.com, AUIinfo.com. I found that interesting. Hopefully you find it profitable and valuable as a business owner. And a business owner can be you and somebody else, or even in some cases, a group of one, a single person. Just know those rules apply when it comes to these chamber or association plans. I very much look forward to the faith portion of the podcast because it's the reason Chris and I started doing the podcast. We're not trying to hide the ball. We wanted to engage our audiences who'd followed us in our sports talk career together. But what really excites both Chris and I is our faith and living our faith out and hopefully drawing others to our faith. So when Chris left to become a top executive with the Lions, um, my purpose for doing the podcast didn't change. I just gained greater freedom to talk about whatever I wanted to talk about. Also a greater burden because I couldn't lean on Chris 
to provide some of the faith content. So I take this portion of the podcast very seriously, and I feel like it's what I'm supposed to do. And so when I get up in the mornings on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, I've put a fair amount of thought into what I'm going to say, and sometimes I get to the morning and I don't know what I'm going to say. And so on those mornings, I really (laughs) don't press the panic button. I press the prayer button, and I ask God to please put something on my heart to share with people that will be helpful to them. Because a Christian faith is not being employed in the right way if it does not impact, infuse everything we do in life if it's not our rudder that steers us in our reactions and our attitudes. Now, that doesn't mean you're going to do everything flawlessly. I'm the first to admit and the loudest in admitting that I do it really imperfectly a bothersome amount of times. I tried to make a harmless joke last night on Twitter, and I got back uh, my person who reads my social media for me because I don't read notifications I got back like, hey, you know, you might want to take that down because uh, some people are reacting adversely to it. And I'm like, well, I'm not going to take it down because you can't take anything down in social media. It just makes you look more guilty. And there was a part of me that thought, man, people have had their senses of humor removed. Um, But I, you know, tried to search my heart like, did I say that in a mean-spirited way or was I just trying to make a joke? So what that taught me was that, you know, I got to be careful And I have to try to rethink everything I put out on social media in terms of, uh, is there such a thing as a harmless joke? But what I landed on was that there's just a lot of hostility out there toward the truth of the gospel of Jesus. And that's not a surprise. Uh, Jesus said, when they hate you, (laughs) not if they hate you, when they hate you, Remember, they hated me first, and people don't like to hear, for whatever reason, the gospel is really freeing and enriching and uplifting and inspiring. But for whatever reason, well, I know what the reason is, because Satan doesn't want him to hear it, and he doesn't want people to come to faith, and we're in this constant battle in our culture between good and evil. And so when I get hostility back for sharing my faith or when I get mocking comments related to me, I just sort of take that as confirmation that uh, Satan doesn't like it when we punch back. And so I'm going to keep doing what I do. But are we all subject to human discouragement? Sure, we are. And we have to battle against that because guess where that comes from? (laughs) Guess what the end game of that is? to silence us. And there's a big effort out there now to silence the things of God. And I'm afraid it's going to get worse. I would love if it didn't get worse. We've had a really cushy run here in our uh, nation's history as Christians to voice our faith freely. That may be vanishing. Maybe. I don't know. There are a lot of people who think, nah, it'll never go away. Then there are people who go, hmm, no, it's, 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 it's diminishing by the day. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Whatever's happening cannot happen unless God made it happen or allows it to happen. 
He's not a sovereign God. If somebody else imposes on our world something that he didn't allow or something that he didn't ordain. So if he allowed it, he allowed it for a purpose. If he ordained it, he ordained it for a purpose. And so our job as believers in the forgiveness that Jesus made available to us at the cross, our job is to deal with it and still be faithful to the gospel. So when I get hit with a wave of discouragement or when I wonder if uh, I'm doing things right, those are two different questions. One uh, indicates that I'm falling short and another indicates like indecision. The solution to both for me, and this is why I'm offering it to you in the faith portion of the podcast, is to what do I know to be true? Because if I'm falling short, if I focus on what I know to be true, that'll tell me if I'm in the wrong. And if I'm being discouraged, if I focus on what I know to be true, that will hopefully pull me out of that discouragement and reinvigorate me. So here are three things that I know to be true about the character of God. The I hate to say persona, because he's not a person, even though he can be, as he clearly was with Jesus, personified. I've thought a lot about this. I've prayed a lot about this. I've searched the scriptures for um, clarity on this. And I really believe that God has three primary characteristics under which there are many other sub-characteristics that are part of that characteristic. I believe God is fully a God of holiness, which is purity, no corruption at all. He is a God of love, which means, you know, forgiveness, restoration, comfort, all those things would fall under the heading of love. And the last one, he's a God of wrath, punishment, consequences, accountability, justice falls under that. Now, with humans, when they have characteristics, they are, let's say I had somebody like that, a person. They're a loving person, but they're a person of wrath, and they're also a person of purity. Those characteristics will show up in isolated moments, okay? The best example I can use from current events is the young lady, Micaiah Bryant, who was uh, having her funeral today after she wielded a knife and uh, died when police intervened to save the life of the person that Micaiah Bryant was threatening. We'll hear a lot about Micaiah Bryant's life today at her funeral, and she is, and her parents, loved ones, friends, are entitled to portray her as, I'm sure they will, loving, caring, fun, you know, all those things. We'll hear a lot about her great characteristics today. And I have no doubt those are all true. 
But in that moment that ended her life, she was not displaying those qualities. She was immersed in some other much more um, much more um, <laughs> trying to think, much more uh, dangerous uh, pursuits. So her loving side, her caring side, her, her uh, childlike side was not evident in that final moment. We're all like that. I'm like that. You're like that. Everybody's like that. God is not like that. When God is a God of love, his wrath is also a part of that love. His wrath is, always, is also fully displayed in that love, as is his holiness. He could not be a God of love unless he was a God of holiness, unless he was a God of wrath, because love is forgiveness, okay? That's his forgiveness is apparent in his love. But a part of his forgiveness is his wrath towards sin, they're together. They're paired. They're, they're welded together. His holiness and his love, his holiness is fully embodied by his love. Because, you know, you can't be perfectly holy and unless you have, unless you're someone whose essence is perfect love as well. So that's how God is different. And that's what I focus on. And sure, it's stark when I think about how far short I fall. But when I think about what his scriptures tell me, I realize how amazing, how utterly amazing God is. And I was happening through the Psalms today, and I just wanted to share with you about this sort of awe that I have over who God is and how someone like that could make his son a sacrifice for my sin because God ultimately wants to restore his relationship, my relationship to him, and fellowship with me in eternal life. So in Psalm 8, verse 3, when I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars that you have set in place, what is man that you are mindful of him? that you care for him. I mean, that's, that blows me away that when I recognize who God is, perfect holiness wrapped in perfect wrath, wrapped in injustice, wrapped justice and wrath and consequences, wrapped in love and uh, comfort and forgiveness, wrapped in holiness, purity, uh, uncorruptible. When I contemplate who he is, the marvelous nature of that, and then he but he's mindful of me. And somebody experienced that in the Bible. To work, it's, a, it's a name you've heard before. The story of Job. The story of Job. Job, you know, was a great man of faith. Satan, like, mocked Job in a conversation with God. He said, well, sure, he's a man of faith. He's rich. He's got a great family. He's, a, he's never had any trouble in his life. And God's like, no, you don't understand the depth of his faith. Go ahead. Go ahead. Attack Job all you want, can't kill him, but you can do whatever you want to him, short of killing him, and I show you at the end, 
he'll still be a man of faith. And that's exactly what happened. It's exactly what happened. Now, Job, he didn't enjoy it. He railed against it. He brought in some friends to try to make sense of it, and they gave him terrible advice. <laughs> and, and they blamed him. And, but at the end, Job came to this realization that God's in control in his life and that, yeah, there are going to be times of great prosperity. There are going to be times of great adversity. There's going to be times of great joy. There's going to be times of great suffering. And that ultimately, whatever you're in, you have to decide, do I only want God when things are good? Or is God eternal and his character, his essence, so pure, so holy, so loving, but so wrathful that I have to yield, submit, humble myself to whatever he decides is the course of my life. And Job came to that realization in Job chapter 42, the final chapter. He said, surely, when he's talking about being mad at God, said, surely I spoke of things I did not understand, things too wonderful for me to know. You said, listen now, and I will speak. I will question you, and you shall answer me. My ears had heard you, but now my eyes have seen you. Therefore, I despise myself and repent in dust and ashes. Job came to realize that he's not like God. None of us are. We have isolated moments of obedience and joy and happiness and contentment. I hate happiness. Contentment. Strike happiness. Um, but God never has those times when, well, today he's wrathful, today he's loving, today he's holy. He's always all of that all the time. And that is why Job was like, oh, oh, like now I get it. Like, who am I to question you? Like, I despise myself relative to who you are because that's comforting to know that God is so much different, better, rich, full, perfect than we are. That's what I focus on, that truth in these moments where discouragement comes along and tries to... So, take that with you through the weekend. Hope you have a great weekend. Thanks for your time. Appreciate it. And I will see you all and talk to you all Again, on Monday, when we'll have a full recap of the NFL draft, rounds two, three, and beyond through round seven, a lot of Ohio State players will get taken. We'll give you our take on who got the best landing spot. Justin Fields got a great landing spot, given Andy Dalton and Nick Foles being in the quarterback room with him. Review the podcast on iTunes. Send me an email about our content. We tackle life at gmail.com. We tackle life at gmail.com. Have a great day and a great weekend.